Buckle up, kid. Looks like the weather is going to get nasty heading into these mountains. Yeah, I'm buckled, bro. Well, good. It's going to be one of them Pucker Factor 5 kind of rides. <laughs> yeah, you got this, man. Hey, we'll see. So, kid, where are you coming from on foot? Well, I started off in uh, Florida. That's where I grew up. No shit, huh? Well, what you headed west for? <sighs> Dude, I had to get out of there. Too many bad memories. I'm ready for a fresh start. Some new adventures. Well, good for you, man. Strike out on your own. Grab the world by the balls, am I right? Yeah, something like that, I guess. Well, hey, dude, uh, was there any more to that shirtless man story, or was that it? Oh, shit, sorry, kid, I got busy driving for a minute there. Yeah, there's there's plenty more to that story. Uh, yeah, where was I? Well, Lacey had a black baby, Dale shoved a watch and a chain up Luther's ass, Dale threw a pool table at the cops, woke up in jail, got released, met the seer in Poonsack, they took him to breakfast, gave him drugs, he agreed to join up and save the world somehow, then they took him out into the woods, some fucked up trailer compound, gave him even more drugs, then he listened to his voicemails and started crying. Holy shit, you really were paying attention. Okay, it picks up back at the seer's trailer compound in the woods. While Dale sleeps the deep sleep of the dead in his trailer, the seer and his trusted manservant Poonsack meditate in his adjoining trailer complex. His quarters are adorned like Led Zeppelin's green room. Tapestries, fine silks hanging upon the wall, ancient Afghan rugs covering the floor, the air hazy from incense sticks burning all around them. The seer, William sits cross-legged in the center of a massive four-post bed while Poonsack sits behind him, touching up his massive back tattoo of a saber-toothed tiger fighting a sea monster. While Poonsack clack clack clacks away with the old-style bamboo stick and needles, William stares intently at a magic eye poster on the wall. Is it a sailboat? Poonsack shakes his head no and keeps on thwacking. No? Damn. Is it an Aztec warrior? No? Shit. Eagle holding a salmon in his talons. No? I suck at these things. The two men sit quietly in reflection when suddenly their peace is interrupted by a jarring splat on the window. William springs to his feet, runs to the window, pulls aside the silk curtain and sees a dead parakeet on the windowsill outside the trailer. <gasps> it's time! A vision awaits! My good man, prepare the drugs! Poonsack goes to the kitchen, reaches under the sink, and brings out a large fishing tackle box. He opens it on the counter, and it is bursting with the veritable hall of fame of recreational drugs. The first thing he produces from the box is a Yahtzee cup and five dice, setting them on the counter. The seer enters the kitchen, wrapped in a pure white kimono. He shakes the cup of dice while muttering an ancient Tibetan prayer and then tosses the dice on the table. 
One, one, three, six, six. Excellent. The two men nod at each other. Poonsack hands the seer a large bottle of water and a fistful of mushrooms. He solemnly puts them in his mouth and chews, washing them down with a mighty gulp of water. <sighs> Thus it begins, old friend. I shall see you on the other side. Poonsack checks his watch and follows him outside. The seer's vision begins. Day 1, 8.13 a.m. The seer sits in the dirt of the front yard, laughing like a child in front of a water sprinkler. When the spray comes around and hits him in the face, he squeals and claps with delight. Poonsack approaches him, hands him a glass of orange juice, and checks his watch. Day 1, 9.52 a.m. The seer sits on an old dirt bike, revving the engine rhythmically while howling like a dog. Poonsack comes to him, gives him a tab of ecstasy and a peyote tea chaser. Day 1, 12.35 p.m. Poonsack stands at the foot of the tree, looking up at the seer who is perched on a branch about 20 feet off the ground. The seer is examining a leaf very, very closely. He plucks the leaf, looks at it, and eats it. Day 1, 4.20 p.m. The seer and Poonsack are sitting on the porch, finishing a joint. Ah, yes. Break's over. Ah, hit me with the amyl nitrate. Day 1, 7.45 p.m. The seer watches the setting sun while doing Tai Chi in the waist-high brackish water of the above-ground pool. Day 1. 11.59 p.m. The seer is still doing Tai Chi in the filthy pool. He stops. Suddenly, he plunges his arm in the water and pulls out a bass. Day 2, 6.45 a.m. The seer watches a beautiful sunrise peeking through the treetops, and he's still in the pool. Poonsack, get me the mescaline and gas up the dirt bike. Day 2, 8.11 a.m. The seer revs the engine on the dirt bike while Poonsack blasts him in the face with a leaf blower. Day 2, 11.23 a.m. The seer hugs the trunk of a massive oak tree, weeping softly and humping wildly. Day 2, 3.32 p.m. The seer chases a squirrel in circle around the tree. The seer. Poonsack, light the campfire! Day 2, 4.20 p.m. At the campfire, the seer smokes a joint while putting the dead-skinned squirrel on a stick. Poonsack sits next to him, putting Neosporin on scratches all over his arms and neck. You fought valiantly, brave squirrel. I will honor you by consuming your delicious meat. Now, more cocaine. Day 2, 10.05 p.m. The seer and Poonsack lay on the ground near each other, gazing up at the clear, starry night sky. 
The ancients looked upon these very stars for millennia, my friend. They told each other great tales based off the amazing creatures they saw in the formation of the constellations. Crabs, bears, hunters, women, dogs, even the gods themselves. All I see is dicks. Thousands and thousands of dicks. And balls. Poonsack looks at the seer and slowly, very slowly, gets up to leave. Ah, damn, these mushrooms are really good. More cocaine! Day 3, 2.43 a.m. Poonsack shines a laser pointer into a bush, and the seer emerges from the trees, pouncing on the dot. And that's when Poonsack pops him in the chest and back with a paintball gun. The seer wails and retreats into the cover of the woods. Day 3, 7.15 a.m. The seer comes forth from the woods, covered in filth and welts from the paintball gun. He approaches Poonsack on the steps of the trailer with a peaceful, calm smile. Give me gum. It's time. Poonsack gives him a stick of green trident gum and takes a piece for himself. The seer steps into the middle of the yard and faces the rising sun. Poonsack walks up behind him, reaches into the back of the seer's linen pants, and pulls out a long stretch of blue marine rope and wraps the extra length around his hand three times. The seer raises his hands to the heavens and cries out, Do it now! With all his might, Poonsack yanks the rope, which is attached to a row of eight racquetball-sized Benoit balls that are up the seer's ass like he's starting a lawnmower. Brrrrap! The seer unleashes a primal scream, and a bright white light shoots out of his eyes as the vision fills his mind. Images like a slideshow of the past, present, and possible future race into his brain. The seer gasps and returns to reality, eyes still glowing with white light. He turns to see Poonsack lying on the ground, exhausted, with the rope and Benoit balls still in his hand. Get him ready. The next night, Dale finds himself sitting in the back of the Cadillac again. He's rested, relaxed, and reinvigorated. Dale didn't know how long he was asleep in that trailer, or what day of the week it was, and he really didn't care. But for the most part, he was totally healed up from all of his injuries, and honestly got a pep in his step and was ready to party. So, uh, you want to tell me what we're doing here? Poonsack lights a joint, hands it to the seer. He takes a big hit and passes it to Dale in the back seat. <sighs> Do you see that apartment building right there? 
I do. What about it? There's a toaster in that building that is going to short circuit in the wee hours of the morning. It's going to start a fire, burn the whole building down, killing a lot of people. Yeah, that sucks. Yes, it does suck. The problem is, I don't know which toaster. So, you need to destroy all the toasters in that building. <laughs> well, how am I supposed to do that? Poonsack hands him an envelope. Easy. You're going to take all of this LSD and just be yourself. He eagerly opens the envelope and eats everything inside of it. <laughs> Sweet. I haven't done acid in a long time. I'd uh, love some orange juice. Poonsack hands him a bottle of orange juice. <laughs> right on. I'm starting to like you, little fella. So, Dale, as you see, the building is four stories high, and there's two apartments on each floor. That's eight toasters. It's very important that you get them all. Are you ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. Kill all the toasters. I got this. Dale gets out of the caddy. The seer rolls his window down. Do not forget to take your shirt off before you go in there. Got it. What about my pants? Take them off too? Play it by ear. Cool. I'll see you fruits in the morning. Dale skips away, the acid already setting in. Poonsack puts the caddy in gear and they start to drive away. Well, Poonsack, I guess now we'll find out if he's really the one. Poonsack shoots him a glance. I know, I know, but he's the strongest one yet. Poonsack looks away. Well, that's your opinion. Hopefully, the third time's the charm. Dale is a-trippin' and a-skippin', singing songs to himself as he approaches the door of the apartment building. Kill the toasters, save the world. Kill the toasters, save the world. He takes a final long hit off the joint and flicks it into the bushes. The tracers coming off the joint delight him as he watches it fly. Something in the bushes catches his eye. He yanks up a big chunk of 4x4 wood from the landscaping. Oh, this is perfect. Kill the toasters, save the world. He yanks at the door, but it's locked. The intercom box is all googly in his drug-addled eyes, so he looks at his big-ass chunk of lumber. <laughs> I have the key. Dale smashes the glass door to pieces and steps in. Oh shit, I almost forgot. Dale takes his shirt off and tosses it on the broken glass. He walks into the apartment building. Ah, 1A, excellent place to start. He pounds on the door. Can I help you? Toaster, Inspector. I need your toaster. Are you insane? You need to get out of here. Dale punches him right in the face and forces his way in the apartment. I tried to be nice, fuckface. Nice place. Big kitchen. Here's the toaster. Dale smashes the shit out of it with the 4x4 and then chunks it out the broken window. One down, seven to go. He walks across the hall to 1B pounds on that door until an elderly woman answers. What is the meaning of this? Toaster police, your toaster is wanted for murder. 
That is ridiculous. I'm not giving you... Look, bitch, just give me the toaster and I will leave. Okay. She goes inside around the corner. See? That wasn't so bad. She springs back into the doorway and pepper sprays Dale right in the eyes. But it has zero effect. Dale doesn't even blink. That's cute. Really is cute. I'm not even mad at you, ma'am. I respect your moxie. Now can I please have your toaster? Of course. Right away. But I'm calling the police. That's totally cool with me. She throws him her toaster and slams the door. Two down, six to go. Dale makes his way upstairs and ties the toaster by its cord around his belt and knocks on 2A's door. What? Hi, I'm Jesus. Give me your toaster and I'll forgive your sins. Are you high, dude? No, no, no. I am clearly Jesus and I want your toaster. Yes, I am high. Dude, I don't even have a toaster. What kind of asshole doesn't have a toaster? I hope you and your shitty, soggy bread burn in hell. We use a toaster oven in my house. Toaster oven? That's the, that's the same fucking thing, you prick. Get out of my way. Dale shoves his way in, smashes the toaster oven, and chunks the pieces out a freshly broken window. I'm calling the police. Well, they've already been called, Judas. Getting in my way when I'm trying to save your stupid fucking life. And your house smells like shit. Seriously, dude, are you raising turd-covered donkeys in here? Three down, five to go. Dale crosses the hall to 2B, straightens himself up a little bit, knocks politely on the door. Ah, uh, who the hell are you? Uh, good evening. I am the guy on drugs who's going to pee in your face if you don't give me your toaster. Oh my God. Here, take it. Thank you very much. I'm going to take your puppy too. No, don't you dare. I'm calling the cops. No, they're already on the way, but if you want to call them and wait in line, suit yourself. Four down, four to go. As she screams, he heads up the stairs with her toaster and her puppy and knocks on 3A. What's going on? What's, the, what, what's this all about? I'm very sorry to bother you, sir, but I'd like to trade you this puppy for your toaster. Are you crazy? Get the hell out of here. Furniture breaks, puppy barks, you know the rest. Five down, three to go. Police sirens are starting to get closer to the apartment building. Dale pounds on 3B's door. A man swings it open. Who the hell are you? I have no time to bullshit you. Just give me your toaster or I'm going to kill this puppy. God, no. Just, just take it, you madman. Thank you, sir. You have made the right choice. Have a great night. Six down, two to go. The police are arriving. Lights and sirens coming from all over the bottom of the building. Dale heads to the fourth floor and knocks on 4A. An elderly woman answers. Yes, can I help you? Uh, good evening, ma'am. I want your toaster, and if you don't give it to me, I'm going to fuck this puppy. She screams and faints. Wait, I meant eat. I'm sorry. I totally, I did not mean to say fuck. I was going to eat the puppy. Not fuck it. My bad. I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm sorry. He walks in the apartment, smashes the toaster, chunks the pieces out the window at the cops below. Hey, guys, I'm almost done, okay? Almost done. One more. Seven down, one to go. 
police keep arriving. Residents are already outside yelling about what he's done. He gets to the last door, 4B, and knocks pretty hard. The door opens slowly. Red light pours out, and there stands a rather large woman in lingerie. Hello, sexy. What can I do for you? Okay. Hello, horny Kool-Aid man. I am Batman, and I need your toaster to help me fight crime. Whatever you want, Batman. Here, take it. Why don't you come in for a drink? I have all kinds of kitchen appliances we can play with. Maybe when I get out of jail? Possibly, I could come back here and rock your box, but uh, right now I gotta run. Suit yourself, cowboy. Oh, wait. Hey, can you take this puppy from me before I accidentally kill it or fuck it or eat it? Ooh, kinky. Mama-like. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Dale reaches in and closes the door slowly for her. I got them all. Eight down. Eight toasters. Dale climbs the last set of stairs and kicks open the door that says roof access. Running across the roof, Dale gets to the edge and drops all the toasters he's gathered up on the roof and smashes them all to hell with his 4x4. Fuck yeah! Did it! Killed all the toasters! Saved the world! Looks down at all the gathered police cars. Starts chunking pieces of toaster at them. Hey, piggy piggies! Hi, piggy piggy! Woohoo! <laughs> Hope you brought some bread! Uh, sir, uh, we have the building completely surrounded. We need to surrender immediately. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll be right down. There we are! Get down on your knees! Put your hands above your head! Oh, I can't do that. I'm way too high to hold still. I'm just gonna go ahead and climb down. Dale starts scaling down the outer brick wall of the building, grinning like an anime teenager. This brick feels so good on my fingers. It feels so textury. Am I Spider-Man? I'm totally Spider-Man. The cop looks up at Dale, puts down his megaphone and addresses his men. You know what? I ain't got time for this shit. Hit him with the beanbags. Several officers raise their shotguns and start firing beanbags at him. Dale is completely oblivious to the beanbags splattering on the wall around him. But he notices a little snail crawling on the side of the building. Don't worry, little buddy. Spider-Man killed all the toasters. It's gonna be all right. You're gonna live happily ever after. Just then, a beanbag splattered the snail to smithereens. This outrages Dale to the nth degree. Hey! You assholes! You killed my snail! What kind of fucking animal bastards are you guys? Just then, a beanbag shot hits him right in the face. He loses his grip and falls backwards in a majestic nesty plunge off the wall. Dale lands smack on his back right on the top of the cab of a cop car, smashing out the windshield, the lights, and all the windows. He lays there motionless. The cops hold still too. Then suddenly he <gasps> gasps in a bunch of air, leaps to his feet on the hood of the cop car. Woo-hoo! That was fucking...
freaking awesome! Tasers light Dale up from every direction, and he fades into the black of the night. For Eyewitness News, I'm Will Wilson. In local news, late last night, a shirtless man terrorized residents of a local apartment building. He went door to door, apparently very high on drugs, stealing and destroying the residents' toasters. And at one point, he allegedly abducted and threatened to sexually assault a puppy. The shirtless man threw the stolen toasters at police from the roof. He tried to scale down the building, proclaimed himself Spider-Man, until police shot him with beanbags and tasers and took him into custody. There were no other injuries to report. The shirtless man will return after this brief message. The lights of the county jail came on suddenly, as they always do. Dale opens his eyes and stretches like he just woke up from eight hours of sleep at the Ritz-Carlton. He sits up, tries to stretch out his back. It's cracking and popping, wincing, and a little bit of pain. Man, they really got to start making cop car roofs a lot softer. His door opens. Three very pissed off police officers walk up to his cell. Well, good morning, officers. What's for breakfast? Get out. Guess that's a no on the breakfast then? Get up and get the hell out. Okay then, all right. No need to be rude. Uh, One question, is the puppy okay? Get the fuck out. Well, next thing you know, Dale's back out on the curb again. Outside, no jail, no charges, no bail, no court date, nothing. Just a bunch of angry cops giving him the stink eye. The seer and poonsack pull up in the beautiful purple caddy. Hey, stranger. Need a ride? <laughs> it is good to see you fellas. I'm starving. Dale hops in the back of the caddy. You did an excellent job last night, Dale. I am very proud of you. Dude, it was my pleasure. I really love doing acid. So did it work? I mean, did I save the world and shit? But yeah, the, the building did not catch on fire. So yes, it, it did work. So, But it's that saved the world? Well, I mean, you saved the lives of at least eight people, so to them you did. Even though I don't think they would see it that way this morning. Well, I guess it's a start, huh? Poonsack hands a joint to the seer. He lights it and hands it to Dale. That is an excellent way to look at it, Dale. Excellent way to look at it. Hey, uh, is the puppy okay? Yes. Yes, the puppy is just fine. Would you like some breakfast? Fuck yes. Take us to the Waffle House, Poonie. Slap me some pills, too. My back is tore up. Now, so far, I've been telling you a one-sided version of this story. A tale of a tortured anti-hero fumbling his way through life. But there's more to this story than that. There's a bigger picture in play here. You see, I've been telling you about Dale, a bad guy who is really a misunderstood good guy. But Dale, the seer, and Poonsack, they don't stand unopposed in this battle of good versus evil. 
there's someone else out there playing for the other side. Someone who appears to be a very good guy, but who is in reality a very, very bad person. And this someone's starting to take notice of the shirtless man. It's a dark and stormy night in New York City. Rain cascades and drenching sheets all over the southern tip of Manhattan. Lady Liberty herself seems to struggle to hold up her torch in the crushing deluge. The lights of the city seem muted and gray against the storm. But at the top of the Solomon Tower, overlooking the financial district, a glowing red light pulses and fades through the low clouds. A bolt of lightning lights up the city, revealing a dark figure in the window, standing with his arms crossed, smoking a cigar. From inside this man's dark office, we can see his silhouette looking back out at the rainy New York City skyline through a rain-streaked window. He takes another hard toke on his cigar, the red light of his cherry the only light in the room. He savors the smoke and exhales a cloud of his own against the glass window. Now, he is not a particularly large man or built in any formidable or impressive fashion. He's stocky, misshapen, natural hunched-over posture, but he looks unmistakably dangerous, as if he was hastily constructed by anger and bile. His face looks like a fist with a thick beard on it, and it looks troubled. Sweat runs down his forehead and into his thick beard. He wears a white dress shirt, unbuttoned to reveal his misshapen chest and lumpy gut, which are as hairy as a gorilla. He takes another long drag off his cigar, and lightning strikes again, showing us his icy blue eyes as his evil gaze falls right upon us. This man is known as the Sweater, and his determination to rule and enslave the world is practically written on his face. There's a soft knock at the door. His office door opens and his secretary sheepishly steps in, the beam of light shooting across his office. What is it? Sir, they're all here. It's about damn time. He buttons up his shirt, leaves his post at the window, and walks out of the office. He marches down the hall as his secretary, a beautiful woman with a permanently frightened look on her face, scampers behind him. He pushes open the door and enters a conference room. A large gathering of men mulls about, but all conversation ends immediately as the sweater strides into the room. Sit the fuck down! Businessmen in suits, high-ranking military officers in uniform, shady black ops, paramilitary types, hardened thugs, they all shut up and hurriedly take their seats as the sweater takes his place at the head of the conference table. His secretary scampers over to him, puts a fresh scotch on the rocks on the table, and hands him a remote control. Gentlemen, we have a problem. The wall behind him becomes a TV screen. He clicks the remote. A shirtless man damages a riverboat because he didn't like how it was looking at him. The sweater clicks the remote. Shirtless man wanders onto sheep farm, tased after attacking police with a deer antler. Click. Shirtless man bites police officer who disturbed his nap on the floor of a McDonald's. Click. 
Shirtless man sets off bottle rockets in the underwear of a passed out man at a frat party. Click. Shirtless man assaults couple in a park for asking him to stop urinating on passing squirrels. The sweater presses pause. We need to do something about this so-called shirtless man. The crowd murmurs in confusion. One of his underlings raises his hand and meekly speaks up. Uh, but boss, I don't understand. We are a massive interglobal conglomerate. How can some drunk idiot in middle of nowhere get in the way of our plans? A tense hush falls over the room. The sweater slowly walks over to the trembling underling, who instantly regrets asking the question. In a furious explosion of anger, he smashes his cigar in his face, the cherry in the ash throwing sparks in the air. Because, you sniveling little shit! The sweater clicks the remote again, and the screen shows a picture of Dale with the seer. This man is my brother William, and if he has something to do with this shirtless man, then it most definitely can and will interfere with my plans. I don't care what it takes. I want this shirtless turd and my brother found and brought to me now. remember Luther from back at the beginning of the story, right? The strip club manager that Dale beat the shit out of? Yeah, 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 the one that got the jewelry shoved up his ass. Well, his leg is still totally trashed. We're talking from his toes to, to well, his, his butthole. But he's not in the hospital anymore, even though he pretty clearly should be. Nope. He's decided to handle his own treatment at home. Getting high and playing video games in his dump of an apartment. Yeah, playboy. About to get down on some of that Fortnite action, boss. He throws his crutches on the floor and awkwardly lowers himself on the couch. Oh, shit. Oh, my ass is killing me. God damn. Luther grabs his controller and starts raising hell. A hard knock at the door startles him. Hey, Hey, what the fuck, man? They knock again. Luther can't get up. <laughs> oh, shit. I got so high, I forgot I ordered a pizza. Yo, yo, pizza man. It's open. Come on in. The door opens, but it's not the pizza man. Hey, hey, who the fuck are you? The sweater's number one henchman and personal security agent, a continent of a man. A seven-foot, nine-inch-tall, 500-pound monstrosity known affectionately only as Neckbeard walks in. Hey, you just can't just, you can't just walk into my crib without a warrant and shit? Neckbeard totally disregards Luther. He's just surveying the apartment, looking for threats. Hey, hey, you deaf, motherfucker? I said you can't bust in my place without, you know, I don't like probable cause or a warrant or some shit. Neckbeard speaks, 
with the deepest, most fear-inspiring voice ever heard by mankind. I'm not a cop. And if you move one fucking inch, I promise you that I will beat you to death. Am I clear? Uh, yeah, crystal clear, motherfucker. Excuse me. Uh, crystal clear, sir. Good. Turn that shit off. Yeah, okay, okay. Neckbeard sticks his head out the front door, gestures that the room is clear, and then holds the door open for the sweater. Luther sits back on the couch, sweaty and aghast, and perfectly still. The sweater stands in front of his big screen TV, looking around in obvious disgust and disdain for Luther's abode. Good afternoon, Luther. May I call you Luther? Yeah, it's my name, so yeah. Good, good. I'll be brief. I need some information. If you provide useful information to me, I will reward you handsomely. Do we have an understanding? Okay. Um, full disclosure, I'm pretty fucked up right now. So I don't know how much I can help you though. Neckbeard produces a manila folder from his suit jacket. Takes out an 8x10 picture of Dale, hands it to Luther. Who is this man? Oh shit. This is Dale. This is the motherfucker who did this to me. You look like a big man, probably capable in a fight. How did this guy, easily a foot shorter, do so much damage to you? Man, I had his ass whoop. Had his ass whoop. Then he sucker punched me with a brick or some shit and, you know, stomped the shit out of my leg. And? You know, shoved my necklace and my watch up my booty. And why did he do this to you? That's pretty personal. Well, see, his girl was a dancer at my club. And I've been fucking her for a long time. And then she had a baby. And well, the baby had a tan. I understand. I understand. What else can you tell me about this Dale? It's just a local white trash piece of shit. Been a tweaking for a long time. Just a fuck up in general. Nothing special. But if I ever see that motherfucker again, he's gonna die. Neckbeard hands him two more pictures, one of the seer and one of Poonsack. Do you know these men? Um, not really, man. I think I seen that wizard looking dude hanging around my club once or twice a few months back, but I don't know anything about him or that midget. Thank you, Luther. You've been very helpful. They start to leave. Hey, man. Um, hmm. You said I'd be rewarded. What's up with that? I almost forgot. Well, I'm going to make you a nail. Or more accurately, I'm going to make you an offer. I can either give you this $10,000 in cash. Yeah, that's what's up right there. Fuck yeah. Or I can give you what you really want. Yeah, what's that? $20,000 in cash? Much more than that, my friend. I can give you your manhood back. I can give you untold, unimaginable, superhuman strength and I can make you whole again. And most importantly, I can help you get revenge for what this Dale fellow did to you. How are you gonna do all that? Show some faith. Come with us right now and find out. <sighs> mm. 
Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. You know what? Fuck this place. I'm in. Two other men on the security detail enter and scoop Luther up off the couch. Ah, oh, goddamn. Oh, that fucking hurts. Soon, Luther, you will never feel pain again. They take him out the door and off to the waiting van. Neckbeard talks into the security microphone in his hand. Bravo, team. Transport Mr. Luther directly to the Granite Mountain facility. Project B-36, Bionic Weapons Laboratory. Neckbeard produces two disinfectant wipes to the sweater, who starts wiping his hands clean. I'm headed back to New York. I want you to stay here and track down Dale and my brother. I want you to find them, and I want you to bring them to me. Yes, sir. I won't let you down. The sweater looks around at Luther's hellhole, gives his hand wipes back to Neckbeard. Burn this place. Right away, sir. <laughs>